Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show is our last year in review with Editor-in-Chief Dan Roberts telling us his choices for this year's biggest stories. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Friday, December 31st, 2021. Depending on where you're hearing this in the world, it's either 2022 or you're about to have your New Year's in a couple minutes or hours. So in a past life of mine, I was in the hospitality or F&B industry, and I was either a GM or operations director or on the executive team. And this would be one of those days that I would, you know, we would look forward to in the hospitality industry for months because it's our biggest day of the year, biggest money day, biggest people day, biggest parties. You know, I think when I was in Shanghai, we would go until, you know, six, seven in the morning on this day, and it would just be absolute chaos. But leading up to this day, We'd be planning on, you know, new operations, new people flows throughout the venues, uh, you know, making sure that we have enough stock for the night, you know, booking tables, you know, making sure that the in and outflow of for people and cars and, you know, just whatever. We would have to have more security. Just it would just be a a huge night. We would have thousands of people come in and out of our venues uh, in that night and, you know, just be just a crazy crazy night of dinner of drinks of parties of so for me this night is like one of those nights where i look back and go for years i would plan and and look forward to new year's eve because it's just like when you're an operator in these kind of venues and you have you know over 200 people working for you uh we had a security staff of probably around 40 or 50 on this night it would just be a monster of planning and adrenaline once you start executing on this night with lines out the doors, people's trying to get in. And then when you're there, people trying to get drinks and dinner and you sit them down. And anyway, this is one of those nights that I always look back and kind of like feel like, oh, I got to be just, you know, just have this adrenaline rush. But I'm also at the same time, very, very happy. I am not in the business anymore. I do want to say to whoever is going out tonight, please stay safe. This is a crazy night. Don't drink and drive. Don't get in cars with people with drinking. Also, make sure if you are at places or at bars or whatever, that you pay attention to your drinks. You pay attention to the people around you. You pay attention just in general. Make sure that you're around good people that you trust throughout the whole night. And finally, I will see you in 2022. I will come back tomorrow with my year in review. But until then, happy new year to everyone. Let's get into those crypto prices. And I'm recording this at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is in at $47,910, up 1.5% in 24. Ethereum, $3,783, up 1.8%. Binance Coin is at 521, up a half a percent. Tether's number four. And Solana's at 175, up 0.8%. Running off the top 10, we have Cardano, USDC, XRP, Luna, and Polkadot. Total market cap, we're at 2.2. 
4 trillion, a BTC dominance of 40.3, and an F dominance of 20%. And now, without further ado, I'm going to talk to Editor-in-Chief of Decrypt, Dan Roberts, and we're going to go over his picks for the biggest stories of the year. Dan Roberts, Editor-in-Chief, Decrypt, how you doing, sir? I'm great. Good morning. And uh, so much going on. Happy to do this end of year roundup. I mean, my goodness, what hasn't happened in 2021? Uh, 2021 was an eventful year for the world, for crypto, and for well everything. Actually, you joined Decrypt this year, right? I think that would be probably on the top of your year interview. <laughs> That's right. It sort of feels already like it's been longer than that. It doesn't feel to me like it was this calendar year, but it was. It was February 2021, so uh, approaching a full year here once we get into the new year. Love it, but we're not talking about your anniversary. We're going to talk about all of the things that happened in crypto this year and what I'm really liking about this conversation is everybody from the team is bringing in their own perspectives, their own uh, biggest stories of the year. And you started out with, and you're a sports guy, you love sports. And your first thing was, uh, does Bitcoin marketing work on sports fans? And, you know, what we've been seeing is FTX and Crypto.com and, you know, uh, these companies teaming up with different sports brands, arenas, buying rights. And uh, tell us what happened this year with all of that. Well, yeah. And what's so funny is, you know, when I wrote that column, which was back in June, FTX and Crypto.com had just begun to suddenly invade sports. And the big question I have, and I feel it still hasn't been answered, is like, does this stuff work? And by work, I mean, does it directly lead to customer acquisition? You know, what's hard for me to imagine is a sports fan is at, say, a Montreal Canadiens game, an NHL game, and notices that the ice says Crypto.com. Do they really head home and say, you know, I've been thinking about crypto and I saw that crypto.com thing on the ice. I think I'll go to crypto.com and I'll buy some Bitcoin. Maybe, but it's hard for me to imagine that scenario. But that's the bet that these companies are making. And since June, it has only dramatically increased. I mean, when I wrote that, FTX had just done the Miami Heat Arena. Since then, it added the Major League Baseball deal where, I mean, let's step back and think about this. Every single MLB ump has an FTX patch on his uniform. That's crazy. I mean, that is huge exposure and, and huge eyeballs. And it's something no one has seen coming. And then if all that isn't enough, now there are the ads running with the FTX Moon Man and then also the Tom Brady ads. So FTX is doing a major sports onslaught. And then crypto.com, when I wrote that column in June, had just done a couple deals. I mentioned Montreal Canadiens. They had also sponsored an F1 racing team. Since then, crypto.com went and bought the Staples Center. And it's the crypto.com arena. And, you know, by the way, some people were joking on Twitter, you know, we'll call it the crypt. I hope that does not catch on. I hope people do not call it the crypt. It sounds too close to me to decrypt. But this is wild. And of course, no coiners or crypto skeptics look at this stuff and they roll their eyes. I saw some really funny tweets where it was like, oh, please, God, no. Or like everything is horrible. Because if you do think crypto is stupid and you're a Lakers fan and now the Staples Center and the Staples Center is iconic, now it's the crypto arena. That does seem horrible and stupid, doesn't it? But these companies are making a bet that this stuff is going to pay off and it's only increasing. You know, a a friend of mine who writes for the sports business site Sportico wrote a uh, column recently in a newsletter issue saying that crypto and not sports betting is becoming the primary sports advertising industry. And I think that's true. I mean, all these companies made so much money on trading fees in 2020 and 2021 that now they have a ton of money to throw around. They're not all doing it. You know, some of them are taking a different approach, but notably even Coinbase, which 
Matthew, I would have said three years ago, like Coinbase is an example of a company that would never bother doing this stuff. There's sort of a cheapo element to this stuff. They don't need to do it. They're a house. They're the closest thing to a household name. They have great name recognition. They don't need to slap their name onto sports stuff. And yet now Coinbase is the official crypto exchange of the NBA. So they're all doing it. Sam Bankman fried actually said, though, uh, in one of the articles that was written by Decrypt this year, is that uh, he, there's no amount of Facebook ads that would give us the exposure as then naming the Miami Heat Arena, FTX Arena. And the Staples Center, Decrypto.com, look, the Staples Center has been the Staples Center for 21 years, 22 years or something like that. Of course, it's iconic because a whole generation, you never knew anything but the Staples Center. You know what? Your kids... My kids, we're only going to know crypto.com and somebody is going to change it. It's going to be maybe Mongoose Coin uh, Arena oh, in the God. future. <laughs> but it, just but, wait for like, you know, Doge, Doge Stadium. The Doge, Doge Stadium. Uh, who, who knows what's going to come out of the, uh, of the future? But another thing I want to mention is not just the arenas. Matt Damon is doing ads yeah. for crypto.com. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I actually thought that the better ad is the one for copper which is a, a firm that does institutional crypto custody they have a new ad with the actress who plays the mom in dune and she's been in a bunch of other stuff i'm blanking on her name but that's sort of a, a higher class ad than the matt damon one but yeah the point is like celebs have rushed in so much so that benjamin mckenzie who played ryan atwood on the oc one of the shows i grew up with has now made a second wave of fame as a crypto critic. He's out there doing videos with CNN, criticizing other celebrities for doing crypto ads and saying this is irresponsible, this stuff is all a scam. I mean, boy, things are falling along certain lines now and, and people are staking a real claim. Like, I, I hope Ben McKenzie really truly feels good about going out there and saying it's all a scam and a fraud because you know, in 10 years, when it's even more mainstream, is he still going to be saying it's all a scam and a fraud? I mean, if you're going to put yourself out there like this, you're really tying yourself to that take. But it is remarkable. Yeah, celebs are seeing a new way to market, uh, to, to make quick marketing money. And by the way, it's a little bit reminiscent of 2017 in the ICO boom, when, you know, DJ Khaled and other celebrities. <laughs> that was were, pretty good. <laughs> were, thank you. We're hawking ICOs and some of them got in trouble. Khaled, Floyd Mayweather, they got fined by the SEC for hawking ICOs. Now, of course, we would say now it's different. Crypto is more mainstream than ever, but in some ways it feels like that era. I see that this is all performative. We have people actually building in the space and trying to figure out, uh, you know, actual solutions to actual problems, make, you know, viable businesses and make money, uh, you know, just to, to figure out fit, fit in. And then you have all these other people just doing performative acting. And, and, and honestly, there's, it's a niche. If there's somebody for the, the best business model is to be against. It doesn't matter, oh, yeah. you know? So like, I don't even know if, if these people actually believe this or actually even care, but all I know is they made a name for themselves by being against, but there is division you're, you're seeing and you're right. There is, you know, people splitting. And one split that we see is the gaming community and discord. Oh, yeah. and so that was an interesting, you know, honestly surprising rift that I didn't expect this year. Could you please tell uh, us about that? Yeah. It's so interesting. And, and just to recap, I'm sure you're, you know, your closest listeners remember all this, but but it's one of those things that some people may have missed. Discord, which, you know, first of all, let's ID Discord. You know, it's a chat app like WhatsApp or like Signal or Telegram, but 
it's always been first associated with gamers. That is where Discord made its name. Its core, you know, power users come from the gaming world. But in the last year or so, it has also become the go-to platform for DAOs, DAO, Decentralized Autonomous Organizations, the latest thing in crypto. All of the DAOs use Discord. If you start a DAO, you got to start a Discord server. And Discord is just, it just kind of happened that way. That's where all the members of DAOs communicate with each other. So all that said, that's why this clash is so fascinating. The founder of Discord, just doing a fun tease, tweeted out an image show it like a mock-up showing Ethereum wallet integration on Discord, which is something Discord doesn't currently have. And again, the feature hadn't yet been added, but he was kind of saying, you know how founders do that? Like, ooh, coming soon, maybe. And the backlash was immediate and loud. And core users of Discord were threatening to cancel their Nitro subscriptions. Nitro is their premium version. I mean, and suddenly I think a lot of people in crypto didn't realize, wait a minute, like do gamers hate crypto? And of course, nothing is ever just one way. Of course, not all gamers hate crypto, but it turned out that a lot of them do. A lot of them think, especially NFTs, are stupid, a scam, and bad for the environment. Now, a lot of their opinions there are misconceptions and are misinformed, but there is some vitriol there. And so, you know, the Discord founder quickly had to walk it back. He tweeted and said, you know, to be clear, this is not a feature we were adding. It's just a mock-up and we're, we have no plans to add it anytime soon. And even that didn't fully shut up all the angry people. There were some people saying, you know, keep it going, uh, Discord users. We need to show them that they can never add this feature or we'll walk. You know, if we're, if we're not loud and vocal enough, then in two months when things have quieted down, they will add it. I mean, it was like, oh my God. And that was only example one. I mean, more recently, a couple of weeks ago, Ubisoft, the game maker, announced that it would be the first big mainstream game maker to implement NFTs in one of its games, a Ghost Recon game. And again, same thing. Gamers were pissed. They said, you know, screw this, don't do this. They, you know, were, were shitting all over the, the idea. Sorry to say, but like, you know, they seemed outraged. And it's just interesting to me, it's yet another tribal kind of divide. Like now it's gamers versus NFTs. And another reason that's so interesting is there are tons of interesting examples of NFTs being implemented in metaverse games. Right. So it seems like it's more the traditional gamers who hate NFTs. I don't know, man. I just think it's it's remarkable. So just for a quick reference for everybody who's listening, I looked up the top uh, Discord servers and uh, we're going to we're going to talk about uh, the DAOs in a minute and how the DAOs have developed over the um, the, the past year. Um, but so when it comes to Discord, Discord is a big place where you can have lots of people talking and you have different rooms. And, you know, when you're a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization, uh, besides voting, you need a place to communicate your ideas and what's going on. So Discord's a good place to do it. And so but why Discord has such a or the gaming community on Discord has such a big pull. Look, Fortnite has 827,000 members. Minecraft, 800,000 member. Mr. Beast Gaming, 700,000 members. There isn't even a crypto server with in, in the top 20. So there is a huge, yeah. like if, if, yeah. if the CEO of, of Discord is or the, the, the board members of Discord is going to listen to anybody, it's these people that are that are basically driving their whole business. That's right. Although what's interesting is, you know, if you want to grow, you have to keep innovating, right? We know that. I mean, look at Yahoo versus Google. You know, Yahoo True. was the preeminent search engine and then they just stopped and Google overtook them. And then Yahoo never did anything else. 
And you also have to look to the future. And you're right, like right now, the gamers dominate the Discord community. But if Discord's not careful, if crypto continues to grow, and if Discord isn't welcoming to crypto people, then it will lose its status as the go-to chat app for DAOs. And if DAOs keep growing and they go somewhere else, that will be a negative for Discord. So if you're working at Discord, if you're the founder, the leaders of it, right now you, you're making a balancing decision of like, and, and that's what tech platforms always have to do. You know, Do we want to innovate or add something or open our arms to certain things at the cost of pissing off some of our existing power users? That's the, the equation. And it's it's tough. It's it's really interesting. And by the way, for all the gamers who think you know NFTs are stupid or it's a fad or it's a money grab or blah blah blah, I mean, the argument in favor of NFTs in the gaming world is they already exist. It's it's in-game purchases. I mean, Fortnite skins, in-game tokens, items that you buy for use in a game. And do you know how much money is spent annually on on in-game purchases? It's something like 150 billion. It's right. huge. Right. So it is funny to think that traditional gamers think that they can forever just ward off NFTs. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a great, great bridge into your last topic for the, your year interview is DAOs have a long way to go. And so we see, and I, and I just want to bridge that straight from Discord to DAOs and communications. And there, there, you say here in the first line of your article, they're loose, chaotic, and idealistic. And, and so yeah. obviously you have a very strong opinion on how far DAOs have to go. Tell us about this. Well, and by the way, I mean, you know, you read that lead and I sound like a total skeptic. I mean, to be clear, we at Decrypt were founding partners of a new media DAO, PubDAO, which has been really interesting to build out and it's growing. And I think DAOs are really fascinating and cool. And I think they will continue to exist in some form or another. But I have some healthy skepticism. Uh, you know, the people who are involved in DAOs and the most prominent people are in like 30 different DAOs, right? They say, this is the future of companies. Forget, you know, companies, forget CEOs. It's all about DAOs. Eh, not so fast. I mean, I need to see a lot more maturity before I'm willing to, to buy that. Because for now, they crop up out of nowhere. They're exciting, but also chaotic. And suddenly they raise a bunch of money. And, you know, look, more power to the people who are putting money into these things. I guess they're willing to trust the, the strangers who they've only met on the Internet with their funds because, you know, people are, are depositing a bunch of ETH into a DAO led by people that in some cases are pseudonymous. They don't even share their real name. I mean, goodness gracious. I guess I'm just old school and traditional, but I'm, I'm not about to do that with my, my crypto or my, my money. But, you know, they have grand ambitions. And uh, of course, we all know what was the most prominent moment for DAOs of the year. It was Constitution DAO. I mean, that was the moment DAOs went mainstream. And I don't want to sound like just because Constitution DAO failed to win its prize, it failed to buy a copy of the Constitution. I'm saying it was a failure. It wasn't a failure. It showed what DAOs can achieve. They can raise millions and millions of dollars. In like a week, Constitution DAO raised like $42 million. Amazing. But 
some drawbacks that, that we saw. A, completely public, which is the whole point. But as a result, the other guy who hates crypto, Ken Griffin, knew exactly how much Constitution Dow had raised and thus how much they were able to bid. So he knew exactly how much he had to bid to outbid them. B, even the people in Constitution Dow who had given their money to it had no idea what was going on. They didn't know which person bidding at Sotheby's was the one bidding on behalf of the Dow. When the gavel was banged and they said sold, no one knew if the Dow had won. And at first, a bunch of prominent people in Constitution Dow were tweeting, we did it with crying emojis. I'm so proud. And then eight minutes later, it was like, oh, we didn't do it. Oh, we, we, we lost. We lost. I mean, it was yikes. And, and that moment, that chaos, that lack of information simply fed the skeptics even more. I mean, the people who think the whole thing is stupid were able to tweet and say, lol, you know, oh, good, nice job, you know, good, good job, Dow. It's like- right. And they were able to point and laugh, as always happens with, you know, like every time there's a scam or a rug pull, all the crypto skeptics are able to point and laugh and say, see, see, it's all scam. It's all a joke. So, you know, long way of saying, oh, and the other point I'd make, we were talking about Discord. Discord to me is extremely chaotic. I mean, I understand why it's become the chosen app of DAOs. It's because it has a lot of wonderful group management tools. Like you can easily assign people new roles and create sub rooms that are only for people with that role. That's all great. But the ping, 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 I mean, it's completely hard to follow. Like, I'm only in three different Discord servers, and every day I'm hearing the ping, ping, ping all day. I can't keep up with the notifications. It's very messy and chaotic. I hate it. So, you know, <laughs> all that, yeah, all that is just a way of saying DAOs are going to continue to be interesting in 2022. We'll see where they go, but I think they have a lot of growth and maturity uh, before they can truly pull off what they want to pull off. One of the best memes that I saw like uh, over the past year when I, in reference to DAOs is it's like instead of saying automating somebody's job, they're saying let's automate CEOs. And the DAO was a way to automate CEOs. <laughs> and, I, and I thought that was an interesting way to look yeah. at, you know, um, the hierarchy of businesses, of, of companies and so on and so forth. And the role of a CEO or an operating officer. Uh, and, and, and maybe could that be filled by a DAO? Obviously, there's some and expertise and uh, relationship building and, and, you know, character and charisma that a CEO has that a DAO will not have. But it does show that maybe, I guess, implementation of operations and so on and so forth can have more of a de democratic look to it um, when you're coming, talking about decision making in a company. But, you know, I think when it comes to the Constitution DAO, which was super interesting because it shows you that DAOs and smart contracts are only as good as the plan that goes into them. Uh, 100%. And, and, and you have to cross all your T's, dot all your I's, and when you roll out a DAO, to have every idea of any kind of situation or variable that pops up within a certain situation, or the DAO will not work. And what we really saw as well after the DAO and uh, the Constitution DAO is, what do we do with all this money after we oh, lost the yeah. bid? And everybody didn't know. Is Do we get it back? What happens to our gas fees? Do we do something else? We have to vote on it. And it was just a complete disaster of organization and lack of forward planning obviously this was just you know shooting from the hip hey let's buy a constitution let's get some money in there pew 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 but then after you know they uh they the, this they didn't they failed at their at their goal it was just chaos well that's totally true and by the way what is more crypto than the fact that the token of constitution dow which is people has since gone nuts i mean it's become a meme coin basically so that's been really interesting too. But you're right. In the wake of the failure, 
it was unclear what was even going to happen. At first they said, we'll refund people. But then they said, wait, no, we'll put the funds towards something else. We'll purchase something else cool. Then it was like, no, never mind. We'll shut down and we'll give everyone their money back. And, and something else you reminded me about with the leadership too, that I wanted to mention about DAOs. DAO, D-A-O, is also a misnomer. I mean, the A is autonomous. They're not autonomous. I mean, when, when the Ethereum white paper first came out, that was what a lot of people thought was going to happen was actual autonomous organizations. That is entire projects and companies where you write the code, you set it and you leave it alone and the code automatically executes and it's autonomous. DAOs are not autonomous. They are groups of people where the decisions get made by voting, human beings voting. So they're not autonomous. And then the D, decentralized, well, they're not really decentralized. I mean, someone creates them. They have founders. They have centralized decision-making. The idea always is you progressively decentralize, fine. And then the other argument I've heard is, well, the uh, the leadership is, is not decentralized, but the voting is decentralized, the decision-making. And sure, although even some of the biggest DAOs, like, come on, if you have someone who's speaking on behalf of the DAO, and if you have someone who's the one managing, you know, at the end of the day, someone created the Discord server and has the keys to it and has the admin permissions. Someone created the Twitter account and has the password to the DAO's Twitter account. Someone's in charge. They're not really decentralized. So they're more like DOs, digital organizations. I think mm. DAO is a misnomer. Mm, good good point. Good point. Do you think, I mean, we were pretty much throwing a, throwing a lot of shade on DAOs right now. Do you think that DAOs actually have a, a fit in the future? Where would it be? I'm trying to think of it myself. And, you know, the, the decentralized, you know, voting mechanism, it, it's it's great, um, you know, fine, but I just don't know because here, here's the biggest thing is like if you look at startups, if you look at, you know, uh, you know, any entrepreneur or whatever, you, they start out with a founder led idea and the founder led idea usually drives drives the biggest companies in the world because they have the idea. They keep pushing their vision. Once it gets to a certain point, obviously, founders should step back and hopefully they build a company that can run by itself. But it, it's not good for a startup. It's not good for things that have to have a lot of variables and have to pivot very quickly. It's not good for, you know, um, you know, trying to make decisions, you know, um, it, not even just pivoting, but if things ha- have happened and you have to reinvent yourself, the DAO is absolutely rubbish at that. So what are they good for? I think that they bring together people really quickly. They are like-minded, passionate people. So it's a way to sift through the now so many people all around the world who like crypto and zoom in a little more. Okay, let's let's target all the crypto people, but specifically people in crypto who want to achieve X. Maybe they are fans of the artist People Pleaser. Okay, so we make Pleaser DAO. That's one of the most successful DAOs. And we pool our crypto and we buy NFTs that People Pleaser created. And they go up in value and sometimes we flip them, sometimes we hold them. That's been a successful one. Or there's Beats DAO. You know, let's bring together people in crypto who specifically love music and we'll buy Euler Beats NFTs, which are little DJ audio files. And we'll buy those and then we'll resell them and we keep getting revenue. That's been a successful one. So you're basically creating very specific you know, individualized interest groups within the larger pool of people who understand and are into crypto. And that's cool. And then, you know, can we pool our money with a common goal? All that is great. I mean, in some ways it's like a charity or a nonprofit, but of course they're not nonprofits. They're trying to make money, but there's some great uh, community building lessons we can take from them. That said, they're not going to replace company. I mean, they're just not like 
and by the way, there's there's a lot of prominent people in crypto who are clearly do not have the kind of DAO ethos. Like, you know, there was a recent story that OpenSea, the NFT platform, hired a new CFO, and it's the former CFO of Lyft. And the new executive did an interview with Bloomberg talking about potential IPO plans. And immediately crypto people were tweeting it and they were right. upset or they were saying, you know, if, if you're a crypto company and you're doing a, a traditional IPO, you don't get it, NGMI, because people are saying they should launch a token instead. Well, you know, at the end of the day, crypto people aren't going to like it. But a lot of these successful crypto companies, they want the glitzy NASDAQ or NICE debut. They want to be like traditional companies. They want a stock. They want earnings. They want, you know, shareholders. They don't want to launch a, a token, which, by the way, regulators might mess with later. Look at right. Coinbase. In a right. million years, Brian Armstrong was not going to do a token offering instead of an IPO. He wanted there to be Coinbase stock traded on Wall Street. Right. So. Right. Which is also beneficial for their um their you know workers for the whole time people who build coinbase and, and so on and so forth they they're rewarded in shares or granted shares or said you keep working we're gonna i swear to god this is gonna be successful right have faith and they're working you know 10 years or, or whatever well maybe not 10 years but you know they're like working eight, for a long time yeah. yeah eight years to build this company up and it would be very hard to do that if you didn't make a token beforehand because you know uh-huh. then the then the community would, would would basically kill you for that it's like hey here's uh, a million tokens, by the way, we're keeping 40% for founders. And they're uh, like, what are you doing? You're not, you can't do that. That's not fair or decentralized or whatever. It's like, but, but we put the work in. And so right. an, an IPO is a very good way for, you know, you to reward those people who started with you when you're just like, and we all seen the memes of Brian Armstrong with the fold out table at, you know, some conference talking about Coinbase, just, just him back there. Everybody thought he was rubbish. Now he's a freaking billionaire and has a multi-billion dollar company being traded. Um, the, the last thing I think, and I, one thing I think that DAOs are going to be good for, you said it earlier, raising money really quickly with uh, like-minded people. And since we have uh, DAOs being able to be companies or LLCs within, say, Wyoming, I think it's going to roll out to other states. I can see DAOs purchasing companies or sports teams or other things. And I can see that being in a corporation like we now own part of the Cleveland Cavaliers because we raised a billion dollars to purchase part of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Actually, I don't know how much they're worth. Are they a billion dollars? I doubt it. Basically, anyway. every pro US franchise is probably around two billion nowadays. Oh, you think so? Okay, now oh, I have yeah. to look, look it up. But I think that's something <laughs> that the DAO will be, be good for. So with that, I want to just springboard off into our last topic really quick. We've been talking for so long, but the, the <laughs> listeners, it's the end of the year. They have a lot of eggnog. They're sitting around. They're listening to our our sultry voices on our new Shure microphones sounding all <laughs> NPR. Uh, what is your predictions coming into 2022? What are some, a couple of things that you think are definitely going to happen? Well, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm always hesitant to make any price predictions. And I won't make a specific price prediction, but I'll say in general, and this isn't like going out on a limb here, there will probably be a dramatic pullback. I don't know how long it will last, uh, but you know, it, it was a couple of weeks ago that Bitcoin crashed like 13%. It was late night on a Friday, early morning Saturday. Of course, it was the same weekend as Art Basel in Miami. So there were a lot of memes you know, of crypto people leaving the club to check their bags and going, oh my God, wrecked. I suspect that we'll see a move like that again, or probably a move even worse. Now, it's really hard at this point with crypto bigger than it's ever been to imagine a 2018 level crash where Bitcoin tanked like 70%. I don't think that would happen. 
but I think everyone should prepare for a mini crypto winter or a dramatic pullback in crypto prices because it can't just be up always. Uh, so, you know, that will again sift out the believers and the hodlers from the people who buy crypto and expect it to go up every day and, and try and sell it a week later. And then when it crashes, they freak out and they sell at a loss, which is stupid, but those people are out there, you know? So uh, I think there will be a little bit of a mini winter in, in 2022. I don't know specifically how long it'll last, what'll cause it, but it's just, it's just obvious there, there has to be. So now, now, people now do you on. think, do you think there's going to be another, another uptick before we have that winter? Well, I mean, as we talk, uh, things have been kind of stagnant, you know, like we bounced back a little, but there's a little bit of a stasis. Um, and also in the last couple of weeks, it's been interesting. People have always argued over whether Bitcoin is, is um, correlated to stocks, to equities. And usually the answer has looked like no, but in the last few weeks, it, very much so. In the last few weeks, crypto prices have been uh, affected negatively by the same things that have affected stocks, you know, Concerns about Omicron and, and COVID-19 and also the actions of the Fed and the Fed tapering. So, you know, as that continues, maybe it stays the same. Uh, maybe there's another big surge, but I expect a little bit of a momentary pullback, probably with NFTs too. And all the same shit will happen again. All the people who think NFTs are stupid will come out and they'll say, oh, the NFT bubble has burst. NFTs are dead, but they're obviously not dead. They've never been dead. You know, they never died even since March, you know, March 2021 when when I think was the biggest NFT frenzy and mainstream media moment. So, you know, what I like to say about NFTs is the cream will rise. Interesting use cases of NFTs will continue and will survive. And things like Bored Apes and CryptoPunks will continue to be valuable. But a lot of these fly-by-night projects that are just quick cartoon profile picture shit, those will plummet in value. I'm sure that's going to happen. Just to let you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers is worth $1.56 billion dollars. Can you guess what the most valuable basketball team is? The Knicks, even though they suck, because it's New York. Yeah, good, good job, good job. You know, I wonder if you could go I for number two. Stuff, Lakers. Uh, number three, number two would be the Golden State Warriors. And I was going to do Warriors three. Yep. And 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 the the who is the least valuable? Grizzlies. Damn man, spot on! Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I used to do this stuff. I used to do Sports <laughs> Illustrated's list of athlete worth, like the, the richest athletes. And it was based not just on their salary, but endorsement deals. And so you mm. also had to check it against, you know, franchise values. So it's all, it's all interesting. And by the way, it's funny when you said maybe a Dow ends up doing sports team ownership, because we wrote a story about a Dow that wants to buy an NBA team. It's called Kraus house named for Jerry Kraus. Now, of course the irony, like when you do a story like that, you have to have extreme healthy dose of skepticism because they've raised like $2 million, which great, $2 million. That's not nothing, but good luck getting to 2 billion. I mean, come on, good, good luck, but maybe. Maybe. Editor-in-Chief <laughs> Dan Roberts, thank you for coming on and doing our year in review. It was great to hear your stories, your picks, what was on your mind throughout this year. And I will see you in 2022, sir. Happy New Year. Happy New Year and Happy New Year to all of the Decrypt Daily listeners. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Diemer. I'll be back tomorrow in 2022. And to all of you, Happy New Year and Happy Hodling. <laughs>